Thanks for joining us for another amazing message from C3 Church Calgary. Our hope is that our podcast will equip and connect you to Jesus. Now prepare your hearts to receiving something new from God today. Thanks. A lot of up and downs. Great morning to you all. What a colorful group. That's beautiful to see all the different colors. The we have, uh, we have a new addition to our church family. Alexander Pond was born to Chris and Brittany. Welcome. Um, I, want to, uh, I want to open in prayer and join with our, uh, the rest of the body of Christ that's praying for Red in California this morning. Father, we thank you for overseeing the activities on earth, and Lord, you're Word reminds us that what we do on earth affects what takes place in heaven. What we permit, what we allow on earth, Lord, gets allowed, permitted in heaven. And so, Father, today we're asking for torrential rains to stop those fires in Reading. In the name of Jesus, once again, you'd open up the heavens, Father. Pour down rain and stop those fires that are trying to destroy and produce fear in that beautiful city that you've anointed and its influences around the world, and we pray for your supernatural presence and strategic intercession among your bodies that rises up to pray. In Jesus' powerful name, amen. Amen. <clears throat> well, I want to thank everybody that sent me birthday greetings. I am now in my 61st time around the sun. I know, I know, I look younger than I am, I know. <laughs> Tell myself that every morning. It's always better, I think, I think it's better to be over the hill than under the hill. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, used to, I used to run like the wind, and now I run like the winded. <clears throat> anyway, thank you for that. And I, I actually lost a tooth this week, too, which was another trauma. Losing body parts. It's dangerous. And um, when they went to pull it out, he, it, it, it didn't want to come. Well, no, of course it didn't want to come. Meant, meant to be there, but, um, and they ended up, you know, ha half of it was left inside, and I had to dig in a little deeper and then file out the thing, and are you feeling it? <laughs> are you feeling for me? I, uh, and then, uh, you know, then, then they said, well, we're going to have to, like, sew you up and put in a bone, and dear Jesus, I wanted to, I wanted to know whose bone was going in my gum, and um, anyway, I thanked him, and he said, I'm always amazed why people thank me after we've created so much trauma. And I said, well, you've re relieved pain. And uh, if I would have, I could have, would have. I, I don't have a pair of ice grips that would have worked nearly as good as his tools. And, um, you know, his training to, to help with those of us who can't, like, deal with that sort of thing. And many times when we look into the scriptures, there's, there's brand new dimensions that can help us if we'll allow them access into our life. Um, I, first of all, want to thank the worship team because they virtually have sang my sermon. We're beginning, we're, we're, we're beginning a um, series called Heaven's Hope. It's uh, the first chapter, or the, the book of Colossians. And um, specifically Melody, when she was talking about uh, remi like reminding us of who we were in Christ, and this morning, I do want to talk about three specific things from chapter one. I'll read from chapter 
uh, verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 1 till about 18. And there are three specific things in there that I think will apply to us this morning. One is about the power of words. And I want to I join with you this morning in breaking word curses over your life. Uh, about the kingdoms that we live in a multi-dimension environment that we're much more than just physical. That there's many dimensions to us. And um, I'm trying to read on quantum physics. I find it fascinating. It's just a little bit above my intellect most times. But I find it fascinating that they're now discovering what the Bible has said all along. And so uh, I wasn't there. Well, I wasn't that good at math. Statistically, four to three people struggle with math. And and then, and then finally, um, uh, I want to address a very scientific principle found in verse 18, where it says, sorry, verse 15, where it said, Christ is the one through whom God created everything in heaven and earth, and he made the things that we see and the things that we can't see. Kings, he made. Kingdoms, he's made. Rulers and authority, He's made everything that has been created was through him and for him, and he exists before everything else began, and he holds it all of creation together. This is like such a profound thought. And when I read the, that one psalm that says, Lord, your, your, your thoughts are too big for me. They're too high for me. And I feel when we read the, through Colossians, there's some thoughts that feel just too big. And, and that's one of them. So take your Bibles and turn to Colossians chapter 1. And I'm going to read from two different versions. I actually usually study from the NIV and usually preach out of the NLT. So I got the big heavy one here this morning. Get ready. And uh, I want to read from the NIV and then preach basically from the NLT. Um, chapter 1, verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our Father, to the holy and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints, the faith and love that spring from the hope that's stored up for you in heaven. (laughs) Present tense. And that you have already heard about the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you all over the world. The gospel is bearing fruit and growing just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all of its truth. You learned it, Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a fellow minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asked God to fill you with knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you or made you fit to share in the inheritance of the saints of the kingdom of light, For he has rescued you from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. He is the image of the invisible God. Wow. The firstborn over all of creation. 
For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on the earth or things in the heaven, by making peace through the blood that was shed on the cross. Love this chapter. Just loved it. Um, and may the Lord give you a deep hunger for his words and these thoughts. I tried to find the key thought for Colossians so I could keep bringing it up again and again. And, and I just keep coming back to three key thoughts, really. But, but one of the first ones that I think is probably um, as, as good or as key or as central as you get is chapter 2 and verse 10 where it says, You are complete in him. You are complete in in him. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives bodily for, and you've been given fullness in Christ who is the head of every power and authority. You are complete in him. Any gospel that invites you to add something to your completeness in Christ is a man-centered gospel. Th this is a remarkable thing, not to meant to make us lazy, but to stir up great praise and appreciation, for you are complete in Christ. This is a wonderful thought and I think is the center of the, the entire book of Colossians. Uh, one other verse that I think might qualify for key is verse 27 where it says, Christ in you, the hope in glory. <laughs> the, the, these, these words are wonderful to your soul. Christ in you, the hope in glory. I've come to, you know how I write my own definitions for things, and I wrote a definition for hope this week, and I believe that it, it fits, is that I believe that hope is the ability to see clearly. Because you don't see things the way that they are. We, we, we live in virtual reality. Your perspective is tainted by your experiences. And so we th see through these lens, these broken lenses. It's a virtual reality, meaning that it's not based on truth. It's just based on a certain spectrum of the, of the light, of light scale, certain spectrum. But there's so much more going on around us. And so if, if you could see clearly, like hope actually allows you access to see into what all has been accomplished for you and I so we can live in a, in, a, in a fresh and new dimension. It's called the kingdom of God, which is just a dimensionality. And so, Christ in us is all we need. And what was taking place, to give you a background of the book of Colossians, because uh, I'd always thought that Paul planted the church in Colossians, but he didn't. He says, we've just heard of your faith. Really, the, the planter was Epaphras, or Epaphras, or who knows where the emphasis should be on which syllable. Anyway... <laughs> We don't really know. But he probably did it. And, and I, we watched the, uh, the Apostle of Christ, the movie. Has anybody seen that movie? It's, it's a wonderful movie about the 
age in which Paul lived. And um, Paul, while he was held in prison in Rome, was given incredible favor and people could come and visit him. And young or middle-aged Epaphras would have been visiting Paul, and uh, that's how he heard of their faith. And, um, and it says later on in chapter 4 how that Philemon as well had been there and a few others. And it looks like um, uh, Archippus became the pastor by the end of this, um, by the end of the book. So, so what he's doing is he's writing a letter cold. Like he's never seen, it's like I, I sometimes get emails, you know, random ones from princes in Africa saying I got millions of dollars. No, from, from people say, well, we've never really officially met, but I was in church today and or something, and, it's, and I go, oh, I'd love to meet you. And I'm sure that Paul, it doesn't, sh- see, Colossians is not mentioned in the book of Acts, so he probably never got to actually um, visit Colossae, but he'd heard about what it ha- was going on there, and so he just felt stirred to write a letter to correct some of the crazy teaching that was going on because it was part of three cities uh, that were close to Ephesus, and uh, one, was, uh, one was called Heriopolis, and the other was Laodicea, and it was a trade route across Greece, and the result was lots of crazy people and or charlatans or hucksters or, you know, would be traveling on that trade route, and they'd stop and talk about their philosophies, what have you. And so this was getting into the culture of the Colossae church, and Epaphras didn't know what to do, so he goes to Paul for a little mentorship, and he said, what do I do about these people that say we should be worshiping angels, and, or the Gnostics who think that it's all about what, how, you know, what you know, or the legalism that, well, yeah, now that you're saved in Christ, but you need to add a little something to that. He said, what do I do? And so he wrote this letter to correct false teachers, and fake news. <clears throat> so he, he, um, he was writing to equip them about these heresies and dealing with the humanism and angel worship and whatever else. But he pre- repeats over and over again about the good news is that Christ has accomplished once and for all. And, and you can't add to that. And even all these, even all the other dimensions, the other King, the other kingdoms and the other thrones and the other d- spiritual dimensions. He says, Christ is, has authority over them all. And so he's bringing down the hammer, essentially, essentially is what he's doing. And so just once again, any, any feeling that you're not enough or that Christ hasn't accomplished everything for your, all you need for life and for eternity, any other thing that tries to, any other idea that wants to add to what you already have in Christ, Paul just said, no, 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 you're complete in Christ now. Now live out of that completeness, not out of a place of lack, because God has accomplished everything through his son, Jesus Christ. Um, I, I love that he reminds us of the supremacy and the preeminence, while some will give Jesus a spot of prominence, The question is, will you give him preeminence in your life? And so that's where he comes down to. And and I love when we got hearing about the gospel, and I just love this uh, in verse 5, sorry, um, 3, 5, I guess. You do this because you're looking forward to the joys of heaven as you have ever... um, 
ever, just wait, I don't think that's the right one. Yeah, I think, yeah, it's pretty close here. The, the faith and love that's stirred up for you. Oh, yeah, for, for you in heaven, and that you have already heard about the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you all over the world. The gospel is bearing fruit and growing just that, as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace and all of its truth. It's one thing to hear the gospel, but it's quite another to understand it. I'm going to preach to you the gospel, but the question is, would you need to understand it. When we understand, the enemy can't steal what you understand. He, he, he can't steal what you have planted and are watering. What, what will happen is it will bear fruit. So my first point after that long introduction is about how that about planting the word that all over the world the gospel is bearing fruit. Of course, because the because God's word is seed. And when it's planted, it bears fruit. I'm going to try to stimulate our thinking and imagination to consider the type of language that we use day to day. Because our words are still creating our worlds. I know we know that. The question is, are we practicing that? I find myself, I don't practice that enough even though I know it. That your words are creative forces. And, and in the beginning, this is what happened. The word of God, it, it, was, it, it works when it's planted. All words are seeds that can germinate and grow. When, they're ger when, when we plant them, they're concealed. When they're believed and acted upon, they produce fruit. We know that God planted the earth with word seed. And it's the word that activates his kingdom and his power and his resources on the earth. And then it says that the Holy Spirit hovered over darkness. Another word for hover actually is vibrate. It's like this massive energy field where there's vibrations, but that the Holy Spirit is waiting for somebody to express the word of God so that he can activate that word and bring it to life. It's that the Holy Spirit was waiting and he was hovering. And in your life where there's places of darkness, the, the word of God in your heart declared over your life, the Holy Spirit is waiting for you to agree with his word to bring great fruit and harvest in your life. Did you know you can talk yourself into a depression or you can talk yourself out of it? Did you know that? So it's the power of the spoken word. This is why we have to get a hold of our thoughts, because thoughts happen before words happen. The Word of God says that once we get a hold of our thoughts, we can actually regulate our life. James says that your entire life can be guided just like a horse is guided by a bridle. Your entire life, or a ship is directed by a rudder. Your entire life can be directed by your tongue. That little four or eight or ten inches or so many ounces of, well, we'll leave it at that. <clears throat> chapter, chapter 1, verse 1, of, of how, referring to how that, that it would, in Genesis, it says that that, that that seed would bring forth after its kind. Listen to me, please. This is so important. That, that what we speak brings forth after its kind. It still does. You can't speak evil and expect an outcome of good. It will bring forth of its kind. 
I, I, there's a mystery plant growing in our garden. But I know what it came from. It came from a seed. Because the DNA is coded into every seed. There are genetic markers in your DNA that determine who and what you become like. It's the same in the seed that we use when we speak. God says in chapter 6 of Galatians, he says, God will not be mocked whatsoever you sow. He doesn't say this, this certain seeds. He says whatsoever. Whatsoever you sow. When you sow hatred, do you know what you reap? This is not a mystery. You reap hatred. And you say, why aren't people kinder to me? Well, you're getting back what you're sowing. So see, you have control over your life and people's reactions and responses to you. Otherwise, we'd be out of control. But we're not. We're those who take dominion in this life and over creation. The earth can never dominate seed. It submits to seed. The earth brings forth what's been sown in it. You, I, I find that, gosh, you put a little... I, my, my sidewalk in front of our house is going like this. Not even concrete can keep back those ugly roots of a black poplar tree. It's taking dominion. Do you, see, do you hear what I'm saying? I'm not saying say it once. I'm not saying speak it once. I'm saying speak it consistently until it comes to pass and bears fruit in your life. And he says the gospel is like that because the gospel is incorruptible seed. It can't be corrupted. So don't you corrupt the seed. He's saying you can't add to something that's already complete. Okay. <clears throat> Just got to say it like I see it. We've been born again of incorruptible seed. That means the DNA in you is divine. The word is spora. And some, some place in Scripture is called sperma. It carries with it the DNA. The DNA of destiny and the DNA of identity. The parental seed, it has hereditary qualities and traits and qualities. This is consistent in all of the physical world and it's consistent in all of the spiritual world. And so, so I'm going to ask you, what's being produced in your life? What, are, what words have been planted in you that this morning we need to break? Because we will break them. But it's up to you to maintain that wholeness. That we are complete and whole, and that we have all we need for life in Christ. It's the law of perpetu perpetuity. When God's seed is sown in the heart, it produces God qualities of life. The son or the daughter has gener generational markers of the maker. That's why it says in 1 John 4, 4, that you are of God and have overcome because, of the, because the overcoming of evil is in your gene. But you have to activate that, and you have to believe that, and you have to express that. To rule and subdue is in your genes. We are those who produce what's promised, and we resound and restore the voice of God on the earth. I love Isaiah 51 and verse 16. He says, I have put my words in your mouth that I might plant the heavens and establish the foundations on earth. What? You mean that my words can actually affect and plant and sow into other dimensions as well as on the earth. Yeah, I put my words in your mouth, but you got to speak them. 
He says later on in Isaiah chapter 55, so shall my word be that proceeds out of my mouth. It will fulfill the assignment that I has given to, I've given to that seed. You can't stop a seed once it's been planted. This is how it works. I love that. <clears throat> we need to learn the creative power and force in words. Proverbs 18, you all know, life and, life and death is under the control of or under the direction of the tongue. And James, it says, out of the same mouth comes both blessing and cursing. Our words can do both. I was reading a story this week by Dutch Sheets' brother. His name is Tim Sheets. He was invited to an open-heart surgery where a lady was having a quadruple bypass. And as he was watching, the Spirit of the Lord said to him, okay, so now watch really closely what's about to happen. And as, he, as the quadruple bypass was taking place, the older woman that was having the work done, of course, was unconscious. And they could see by the third, triple, the third bypass that something was going wrong. They started to pack some saline bags around the heart and started to move a little frantically around the operating room, and at which point the surgeon looked down into the eyes of the woman that was being operated on, and he said this. He said, tell your heart to beat again. And this is where the song came from. Tell your heart to beat again. And instantly it began to beat. Even though she was unconscious, she was processing what was taking place. You know that your body is waiting for commands from you. It's that your words are that powerful. You, don't, you know that you can tell your body what to do, right? That's what we have to do. Tell your heart to beat again. What a profound thing. And as we go through life, one of the great skills is to learn to not let disappointments layer on us where we become hardened in our hearts. I read some research this week about what happens when positive words and thoughts are repeated or negative words are th or, and thoughts are repeated. It's a process in which when negative thoughts are consistently going through your head and you're speaking them out, there's a hormone that's released called a catabolic hormone and it begins to deconstruct your body, tear it down, because it's been told what to do. But there's another process that takes place as well where an anabolic hormone is released that builds your body. And you, you can guess when that happens. That's when we're speaking positive thoughts and short, thinking positive thoughts and speaking positive words. Your body actually is triggered into starting a process of building your body. It's profound. There's two other times when anabolic hormones are released in your body. One when you laugh and the other when you sing. Bible says that a merry heart is just like a medicine. It'll start to rebuild your body. When was the last time you had a good old knee slap and belly laugh? You should do that once, as, as often as you can. Because it releases all the happy hormones in your body. And gets your body working again. How, how does your body work? Just like that. You, it's waiting for a command. It's just, it's just chemicals. By the way, we're mostly water. And again, the Holy Spirit hovers over, he said he hovered over the waters. He's still hovering over you and I, waiting for your body to receive a command. If you tell yourself your life sucks and that you're all depressed and compressed, and you, well, you know what's going to start to happen? You're going to start to live and feel that way. You say, gosh, it's awful oppressive in here. Yeah, yeah, well, you just declared it over your world. Um, <clears throat> hope. All right. Every cell responds when you speak 
Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 12. I love this when the Bible speaks in, in paradox. It says, talks about how those who are prisoners of hope. What a phrase. You can choose to be imprisoned by fear or imprisoned by hope. He says, those of you, those prisoners of hope, I'm going to restore back to you double. Hope has a profound effect. Hope is, ex- is, a, is, a, is, a, is a confident expectation that something good is about to happen. We need to live like that, not chained to the experiences of our past. Point number two, and the next two will be very quick. That one was the one I really wanted to talk about. Second is um, where he talks about being the four, um, um, four things that happen, four privileges that are ours in Christ. It's right at the end of this chapter. For he's rescued you from the one who rules in the kingdoms of darkness, brought us into the kingdom of his dear son. Boy, I've, I've, I went over and over this a lot, and I'm seeing lots about the kingdom and, the, and how the kingdom of God works. I think in the New Testament, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven, are, they're, they're the same. They're a dimension. They're another dimension. This is how John came. He came declaring the kingdom. It's a, it's a, it's a world which, in which I believe that the ecclesia, the church, is the governing force of the kingdom of God. But it's a dimension and a quality of life that we get, have access to. Jesus preached the kingdom before he preached the church. Um, I've been seeing lots about this, and I believe that that the kingdom is a a relational kingdom. You could probably say that with no relationship, no life. I I know that we were meant to live together in community. Your, Your greatest opportunity for deception is in isolation. If you have someone in your life who will give you honest feedback, those are like editors in your life that make your stories better. I think the word instruction means, means about the structure inside of you, the inner structure. Now, are you able to take some instruction and some direction? Is that we need people in our life, and the kingdom of God is more relational and functional. The Trinity is more relational than functional, I believe, and that we are meant to live in community. There's six different qualities of the kingdom, and I'm just going to rattle them off really quickly because, because this is referring to one of the things that happened to you and I when we came in, in Christ, when we were in Christ, is that we were translated out of one kingdom into another kingdom. You are no longer in the other kingdom. Unless, of course, you want to be. But there's six qualities. First of all, the kingdom, every kingdom has a king. Kind of that simple. Secondly, they have geographic boundaries. In, in, in this case, metaphysical. They have laws and commands. Our, it's like the Constitution, and ours is the Word of God. A society, it has a society and a culture that shapes it. Our hearts is where now the Holy Spirit governs. F- uh, fifthly, a, a political government where it legislates sl- standards, ethics, and, and morality. And lastly, an economy. Every kingdom has an economy. Um, um, our supremacy in Christ. The, the, I don't think that there's a paragraph in the New Testament that contains more concentrated doctrine than these verses, the first 15, the, from verse 15 to 20, which originally were a, either a hymn or a poem. That's what they were. The truth is, we don't need a philosophy. We need, because our biggest issue is, is that we're sinners, we need a salvation. We don't need a teaching. We need a savior. And so what he says, uh, just before we talk about how those, about the invisible Christ, my last point, I just want to share the four things, the privilege that we have in Christ. First of all, he has delivered us. I love that, that phrase, for he has rescued us or delivered us. 
from one, one kingdom or one dimension. He has rescued us from the one who rules in the kingdom of darkness. It means rescued from danger. Secondly, he's translated us. It's a term that's used for deportation. And in this, history records over 2,000 Jews were transported from Babylon to Colossae. So when he's saying that, that we have been translated, they would completely underknow or completely know what that means. That means that you've been moved from one geographical location to another. Did you know that's the case for you and I in Christ? <clears throat> Thirdly, he's redeemed us. It literally means to release a prisoner by a payment of ransom. You have been redeemed. The price has been paid for your freedom and salvation. And lastly, you have been forgiven, which means to cancel a debt or to send it away. Not only are you free, but you're forgiven. This is who we are in Christ. We've been trans transferred to a new kingdom. Debts have been canceled. And there's no longer any files that, that can be held against you to indict you before any judge. And I love that. Christ in you, the hope and glory. Here's my last point. Uh, let me just qualify this by saying... Uh, I don't know enough about this topic to, to honestly share this last point, but I'm going to do my best. I'm talking about the physics of light. You see, I don't know much about it. But I'm fascinated by how does this all work together? How is everything held together in Christ? I, I seen a t-shirt once that said, you matter until you multiply yourself times the speed of light squared, then you energy. <laughs> you energy. John chapter 1 verse 3, it says, All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Without Jesus, everything that's visible would not have been possible. What a, what a profound thought. Look around. Without him, everything that's visible would not have been possible. That's just enough to make you want to sing. Without Jesus, nothing visible or, or invisible. Nothing invisible would be possible without Jesus. No wonder he's the supreme one. No wonder the wind and the waves obeyed him. He created them. They wouldn't have been possible without him. The wind. Otherwise, no wonder we can pray for the fires in Reading through Christ. We do things through Christ because he strengthens us. Everything seen and unseen resides in him. When he said, let there be light, it was a present tense command. Not let there be light sometime in the future. I'm intrigued by this because Kelly is the black and white one in our relationship and I'm all gray. But I realize in Christ there's no gray. In him was light. And then he separated darkness with light. There's no gray. No 50 shades or no 150 shades. Someone would have been thinking that. I'm just correcting your thinking. No gray. Only light and only dark. You're not in between kingdoms. There's no, there's no fence to sit on. You're either in Christ or not in Christ. Wouldn't it be nice if we say, well, I'm just in the middle. You're not in the middle. There's a kingdom of darkness and a kingdom of light. You're in one or the other. And he says in Christ, we're actually teleported out of one into the other. How does that work? I don't know, but it worked for me. 
Now I'm to live like someone who no longer is bound by darkness. The full bandwidth of his glory was released on a blank canvas, sometimes somewhere. Things visible and invisible. We're now told that Jesus is the light of the world. And in Revelation chapter 21, it says that he is the lamp of heaven. They don't need any light in heaven because the lit one is already there. No street lights, no flashlights. Everything is laid bare. I can't wait. He was the path to creation. He is the energy within all of life. Matter is simply the physical manifestation of a spiritual substance. Light is the transitioning agent between the unseen and the seen world. It says that, that, that he's created us to do good works uh, before the foundation of time. Did you know that all that you were meant to do and be was envisioned before time and is waiting for you to catch up with the destiny that he's called you to, to agree with the light bearer so that you and I now, when he says, let there be light, you and I now become the symbol and the representation of those that shine now in a culture of darkness. He's the transition between heaven and earth. Before creation, he broods or vibrates I think that in creation, most Hebrew scholars say that, that God didn't just speak, the Father didn't just speak, but he sang. And there's still songs being sung over you and I. Vibrations. Heavenly vibrations. Now all things come into existence through him and the one who holds all things together. The Holy Spirit, he vibrates or broods over the old creation. It says that all of creation now is groaning, but there is a new creation, a new species the, the, the born-again ones, they no longer groan. It's the old creation that groans. The new creation now is no longer growing because the, as the Father has sang over us and our spirits have agreed with that, we become a new species. He was the firstborn, and you and I are the born-again ones after him. We have a caliber and a quality of the life of God called Zoe that is now within you and I and in every one of our cells if we would just release it and command it to get going and finish what it's begun within us. You carry healing in every cell in your body if you are in Christ. You carry prosperity. You carry freedom. You carry hope in every one of your cells. It's now up to you to tell your spirit to release within you and your body to respond to the word of God that you may rise up as those new creations that bring hope and light and life everywhere they go and everything they touch. You have the Midas touch. I'm gonna pray for us now. I really think the Lord wants to partner with you to take unhealthy and ungodly words that have been spoken over you and cancel them. During worship, I kept seeing these words pop up. Despair, and then I'd see it just, boom, gone. I'd see rejection come up, boom, gone. I'd see broke and brokenness come up, big, boom, gone. You and I are the ones that need to act. see disappointment. Boom, gone. I see hopelessness. Boom, 
gone. I see shame. Shame has a, has a bright red, four-dimensional color to it when I see it. It's big. It'll kill you. It'll keep you. I see, I see this big red shame gone. Are you ready to break those words over your life? I don't care who spoke them. Because the Father's speaking new words over you and he's singing new words over you. He's singing words of hope, love, peace, speaking identity, love, speaking words of joy. You've been translated, you've been rescued, you've been redeemed, you've been forgiven. I see that word prison. Boom! Gone. You're, you're own, let, let that prison that you've been imprisoned in, let it just turn to straw and I don't know the words that have been coming in your mind as I'm talking. I don't see it all, but I see a few things. I want us all to stand. And we're going to break word curses over our life. They no longer have the creative power that they used to have because God is going to give you a new word for your life. It'll be the opposite of the word that you keep seeing. What's connected to that dominant emotion within you, that, that word, is about to change and your emotion will change when the word is changed. Your thoughts are what create the emotions in your life. That you think that nothing's going to change is a very powerful thought. I'm just here to say that if that word can get broken, everything can change. Your future can be completely different than you think. It can be so much better than you could ever dream or imagine. So let's just lift our hearts in faith for a moment today. Father, I'm praying over your people. These are the sheep of your pasture that have held in bondage by words that have been spoken over them that are both unhealthy and ungodly, and most of all, they've been unauthorized. So this morning, in the authority that you give me in Christ, I declare words that have kept people down would break right now. I command guilt and shame to be silenced. I command uh, idolatry. In the name of Jesus, I command you to come down. I command brokenness and poverty to right now, in Jesus' name, come down. I command the words of guilt to come down right now. I command words of resentment and rejection to be demolished in the name of Jesus. I now speak, Lord, your words of life, that you would speak over the hearts and minds of these men and women. God, things are every bit about to change. We are forgiven. We are free. We are those that walk in dynamic freedom, Lord. We are the ones that hear and obey the voice of the living God. Lord, your voice is like many waters. And right now, speak over these waters that we carry in our bodies. God, speak to the very DNA and release that seed, Lord, that incorruptible seed that was meant to bring forth new life and new meaning and new purpose and new destiny. Open the doors before your people, Lord, that they might walk through. Let us become men and women, Lord, that are aware of what we say and that we create our worlds, Lord, with words that you speak over us and you give us today. We are them that take authority and take dominion over our bodies and our thoughts and we will walk in the ways of the Lord all the days of our life in the name of Jesus Christ I declare it and decree it Amen <clears throat> <clears throat>